When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a crowd podcast. Does Francis Ngannou beat Derek Chisora? Francis Ngannou has the same chance that Derek Chisora and Dylan White had. YouTubers who have never been punched in the face and then they sort of flinch and turn away. It will clearly be the man of the generation. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Howdy, Deck. Howdy, howdy, George. I could have put my life on Salam Aleikum. You're speaking the lingo now. You've even dropped the, the Swindon slant on it. It's fluent with no accent. I'm trying to bring it in, trying to introduce it to Saudi, the Swindon twang. It's not going well so far. Off air before we started, you've told me you've been at the, the Cheesecake Factory. So is that the equivalent of, you know, when a Brit goes to Benidorm and orders, you know, I want some of the local food, a fry up uh, with all the trimmings? It was just the only place we could find that was open because here, this fight week, everything starts at like 7pm. Like, so the press activity, so you know yourself, you do a fight week, it's normally at like 1pm or 2pm or whatever, and it takes up the most of the afternoon. By the evening, five, six o'clock, you're done and you're going out and whatever. Here, you do nothing all day and then 7pm, you get shuttled to the venue and then it starts, although yesterday was the open workout, so it's supposed to start at 7 we sort of hung around for a good eight, a good hour until anyone turned up. And then it was the whole undercard and obviously the main event fighters. So by the time we're leaving, it's like, it's gone midnight. So we're like, we just need to find somewhere that's open. I didn't need to eat at that point. Definitely didn't need to eat a massive bowl of pasta, but it fit, everything's just, the timings are a bit different here. It's not unpleasant, I must say. It's obviously because it's so hot. So the press conference is, is Thursday night. The weigh-in is Friday night. Obviously, the fight is going to be at 1 a.m. local time. So everyone's just sort of staying up a bit later just to just to adjust. So it means in the day, we're just sort of um, hanging about. I wanted to do a backdrop of my window here in the hotel, but it's so bright out there. It's like, it's so hot. And out my, my hotel window is just an expanse of desert. It's just pure sand. I'm on the very edge of Riyadh. This area is called the Business District, one of many. Wasn't here the last time I was here, the last time you were here for the Joshua Ruiz fight. This city has gone up fast. It must be as fast as anywhere in the world. It's just everywhere is building and renovation and um, development. And the boxing is is no different. The, the, the arena, which I was at for the open workouts and everything else this week, the arena, I say arena, the outdoor bit is for the undercard, is where the undercard's going to happen. Once the undercard is done, which they're not expecting many of the fans to watch, to be honest, that's what I've been told, then everyone goes into the arena, which we haven't been allowed into yet, it's top secret, 
and that's where the main event's going to happen. And I've heard, I've been told that they've spent a million quid just to make the ring. It's going to rise up out of the floor. It's going to be like nothing else you've ever seen before. And all of this dis didn't even exist 60 days ago. It's taken 60 days only for them to construct essentially a little town on the edge of Riyadh. It's quite mental beyond belief and beyond any of the parameters that we would ordinarily have in boxing or in any sport, really. So have you got his golden ring out there, Mike Goodall? I mean, he usually, yeah, of course, Mike, you, Mike Goodall's he it. There? He usually Mate, don't so, take him 60 days to put up a ring. Yeah, he does it it's about so 60 seconds. Yeah, he takes it in a couple of minutes, but it's, it's classic Goodall. Like anywhere in the world he is, doesn't matter. It's the same Mike Goodall and it's the same rings and it's the same stuff. As for the outdoor bit, but even yesterday, Moses Atalma, elite club member, of course, who's boxing on the undercard, a good fight against Isfan Bernaf, who's a bit of an old head on the amateur scene, boxed Fury a couple of times in the amateurs, boxed Joe Joyce, etc. So a bit of a step up for Moses. Anyway, Moses did his open workout and it, he got in the ring and got a skipping rope out and was going to do a little skip. And Mike Goodall runs over like, no, no, no skipping on the ring. No, no skipping, no skipping. So even, you know, even in the kingdom, this big event, there's no skipping in Mike's ring, I'm afraid. And for those of you who don't know Mike Goodall, we're going to get him on the pod, aren't we? Let's not spoil it, but he is basically the heartbeat of all logistics in British boxing, whether it comes to workouts, fights, etc., etc. So we're going to get him in to explain all that. But yeah, he's here, of course. What's the atmosphere being like then, Dex? Obviously, you've told us everyone is sort of sitting on their thumbs until 7pm. But then, is there excitement? Does it feel like a usual fight week? Or is this become, shall I say it, the new norm? It's a very good question. It's an interesting question I was thinking about when I was having my breakfast. And I was like, am I just approaching this from an angle of what I see normally with fight weeks or or am I just looking in the wrong places? Because let's not beat around the bush. This is not Las Vegas. So there's no strip. Not Everyone's not together in the same place with loads of tourists and loads of people milling around. It's not like that here. Everything is separated. You have to get a car to go anywhere. You can't really walk anywhere. Even in this business district that I'm in, you can't really walk anywhere. So that affects the atmosphere. The arena, the kingdom arena and the Kingdom Boulevard and this fake Times Square that they've built and everything is sort of outside the city. It's hard. You can't get there. Like even journalists, we can't get an Uber there. We have to go to the fight hotel to get a coach to take us there. So it's hard to gauge what the atmosphere is like among like locals because even at the open workouts where they're all, it's all going on, there's only a couple of hundred people there. There's no one in the stands. I don't even know if you could get, if, if a local person could come. And there's obviously no, not many people, if any, flying in for this event like they do for Las Vegas, like Mexicans do for Cinco de Mayo, like Brits did for Ricky Hatton and for you and every, everything else. That's not really the, it either. So it's hard to get a handle on what the atmosphere is like, whether it's good, whether it's bad. It's kind of a strange a strange spot but they're not messing about in terms of the promotion as we know it's a massive deal here they're taking it deadly serious but that cohesion with ticket buyers essentially i can't quite get my head around yet and i don't know whether that's because it's a new a new thing or whether that's by design is it geared towards tv is that is the whole thing about this going to be about what it looks like on tv to broadcast it to the world because essentially saudi arabia may still be quite difficult to get to and when you do get there Maybe you ain't going to have the best time, but on TV, it's going to look sensational. And is that the main goal? I think you've hit the nail on the head there, really. I, I hadn't really thought about it that simply, 
but they're thinking bigger than who's going to be in the arena. They're thinking massive and that's why it's at 1am. So then it's 11pm in the UK and it's not too early in the US. They see it as a global thing. That's why they've got the big names. That's why they've got the heavyweights. They want to capture the imagination of the world. Same with the football that they, you know, they don't expect thousands upon thousands of people to go and watch Ronaldo in person, but they know that people are going to watch that league because they've got Neymar and they've got Ronaldo and they've got everyone else on TV. So yeah, that's their window to the rest of the world into Saudi Arabia, which for a lot of people is like uncharted territory or certainly an unknown. They're trying to open the doors or at least be more progressive in that sense. And I think they see boxing as a ticket to that. So yeah, and that explains why they've got an underground ring that's going to rise up and they've spent a million quid on it. They want it to look mind-boggling and for everyone to go, core blimey them Saudis now to put on, put on an event. What's the soul and the essence of the event? Like, is it being there and, and lapping out and enjoying it? Or is time moved on? That's a thing of the past now. Because when people are, are at a live event, they've got their phones out and they're trying to record it because they want to impress everyone on their Instagram feed rather than be present in the moment and enjoy the live event. They haven't not made an effort. They've made a a massive effort. The production sounds incredible. Like the money's been spent. The ideas have been fought through. Will it will it be the same? Will it will it will it put that passion? Will it, essentially the sport needs all sport needs passion. And if there's no passion in there because they can't create that, they can't manifest that bit, they can't manufacture that bit. They've got money and they're spending money. And if it's just a, a drop in the ocean to throw throw this sort of cash around to to get the big names out there and not just in boxing. Is this the new norm now? That it, will it be the new norm? I think the idea of ticket buying and fans going to places in person is changing anyway. I remember the Al Heyman money, remember, and that started flooding in. And it wasn't necessarily about tickets. It was about TV deals. And we've seen that in the UK as well with Sky. Like, obviously, they want to sell, pack out arenas. But if they're pleasing the broadcaster, that's a big tick. This one, I don't really know. I must say that every time I've come here for a fight, to be fair, this is only my third one. So Billy Dibb against Amir Khan, the, it was packed in there and the people were going mad for it. Joshua Ruiz was outdoors and it was raining. It was a slightly strange atmosphere, but the people who were there, and there were a lot of Brits and expats from Dubai and wherever else, it was busy and people loved it. I wasn't at your fight, George. Can you remember what the atmosphere was like there? Was it like, were people loving it or were people just a bit bemused by it? Yeah, I don't think there was any Brits there. There was, and even there wasn't expat Brits there, you know, or people who had travelled from other parts of the Middle East to get there because they could have got a visa. But I was wondering, I we didn't know, we had no information. They asked on the night, like, is there going to be people in this? They showed us the arena. I said, oh, it looks amazing. It looks brand new. It looks better than the O2. Like, is there going to be people coming tonight? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We packed out. Every every ticket's gone. I was like, is every ticket sold or every ticket gone? Who lives here? <laughs> who, who, who are the people here? Are they, are they foreign workers? Are they locals? Are they born and bred Saudis I didn't know it was the it was an atmosphere there I mean it was a totally I felt like they weren't my people so I'm not fighting for them they don't feel like fight fans so they're not people who have been on my journey you know have probably never seen me fight before definitely never seen might not have even seen boxing before but the tournament that I was in actually painted into that they wanted theirs to be a standalone tournament that it's the tournament that's famous and the tournament goes around the world and the tournament tours it doesn't matter who's in the final who's not the writing was on the wall, really. I knew it was going to be a bad week. I had two halves of a Bugatti and I couldn't fit them together. And let's be honest, like, when you think Saudi, you think money. Like, you just think money. Um, and who is not excited 
by the thought of money, like money being spent. They're always going to be able, be able to outprice any other district. Sometimes there is massive investment and the money the money dries up. Sometimes companies get investigated uh, and then they disappear. You know, because the money might not have been coming through legal channels, but the Saudi money is the Saudi money. I stay out of the politics of it, whether people think. I know lots of people weren't keen when golfers moved to Saudi Arabia in that tournament, or, you know, if footballers go out there, it's the money. The money's exciting, Deck. The money's exciting. I think at, at first over here, like starting with your fight, you're the f obviously the first man ever to defend a world title out there. At first, it seemed like a bit of a flash in the pan, a bit of a mysterious thing. Oh, they're sort of interested in this. Now, the vibe I'm getting is they're here to stay. Like this is this is part of, they're building this whole thing. This is the start of Riyadh season, which is six month festival. Like you would think something like this, like an expo goes on for two weeks or a month and they get all things going on. It goes on for six months, half the year is dedicated to bringing events, bringing music, bringing sports stars. Turkey Al Al Sheikh, the, the guy who's behind all this, he's a big boxing fan. So that's helped. So you're right. Maybe if he's no longer involved or when he isn't, or I don't know whether, you know, maybe he will be forever, but he had been a driving force behind that. But as far as I can tell, this is not just like, we're going to go here every now and again. They're here to stay. They're going to get the biggest fights. They want them here for Riyadh season. It's why I've been told that it's almost certainly going to be Fury Usyk on December 23rd. They get what they want. A friend of mine was speaking to a local builder, an English builder actually, and he went to the arena, I can't remember, like a week ago, and there was nothing there. They're like, no, there's no chance they're going to build this. This, could, this is a three-month job. Next day turns up, it's finished. They get what they want. They've got the resources to do it. They've got the vision to do it. And they're just, they're just going to do what they want. And when you have that sort of money and that ambition, a sport like boxing follows. There's been a lot of comparisons by Frank Warren and Bob Arum about the, when Vegas first started up and people said, well, that's crazy, building this place in the desert. Who's going to go there? And look at it, all these decades on, still Las Vegas. Um, this seems very much like that. And they're just getting to grips with that. But just since I've been coming here, the place is completely different. Riyadh is completely different in terms of the development and the people. A couple of things haven't changed. The traffic is nuts. Like rush hour goes on from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. There's so many cars. At midnight last night, it's like rush hour in London. I'm like, where's everyone going? My cab driver, my Uber driver, he was, every time we went, got to a traffic light and it was green, he was celebrating, like banging his steering wheel, celebrating like a goal had been scored. And then he went on his phone. He went on Google Translate on his phone, started typing in, passed his phone back to me, just said in big capital letters, I feel victorious because he got through a green light. Like the place is... You know, it's one of them where it's just so culturally different to what I'm used to anyway. I, I, I must say, I love the place, love the energy of it. The people are amazing. The lack of alcohol is very nice. Like, I, it sounds crazy, but it, I, I do notice a difference there. But I think it's a change in place, it's a change in space. I do think that's an issue. Issue is probably the wrong word, but it's totally different to Vegas because it's the least hedonistic place you could have because of the laws here and the rules here and the culture here. It's not, it's nothing like Las Vegas in that sense. In fact, it could be more, more different. So then how does boxing fit in? I think we're seeing that they don't, it doesn't really matter. If the boxers get paid enough and they make enough of a show of it, everyone's happy. People watch it around the world uh, and this job done really. So far, they really like the heavyweights at the moment, at the moment anyway. That's where they like Fury Usyk. When the interest goes from that, will they go down the weights? Will we see like Shakur Stevenson against Javonta Davis, which would be a huge fight down the line? Will that sort of fight come here? Who knows? Like 
Not sure. But right now, they love the heavyweights. Tyson Fury is the ultimate showman. We know that. Like, that's what he does. He puts on a show regardless of the caliber of opponent. And he's living up to it. And I must say, the amount of money they're getting paid, the Saudis, they can kind of have free reign over it, if that makes sense. This is an obscene amount. Does it um, affect your brand as the fighter? Does it affect your profile? Are these fights memorable? Because like... You know, you think you grow up, you've got Muhammad Ali rumble in the jungle in Zaire. You've got Thriller in Manila. They weren't in the US. You know, they would have had to, I think, I think is it in Manila they fought in the morning to, to sort of marry up with the rest of the, the world feed. Are they iconic fights with iconic people because of the people, because of the culture back then when there wasn't an awful lot of options and the heavyweight division meant a lot more than it did now. You know, I just think like Anthony Joshua, he's had a couple of fights in, in Saudi. Did they help him? Did they not? I mean, it would have helped his bank balance or was it moving to zone onto a, a, a smaller platform than Sky? Did that affect him? And I wonder if fighters sort of factor this in. You know, I, I boxed Eubank. The fight itself would be bigger than me fighting Smith. But because it was a pay-per-view in the UK and it headlined... Uh, and sold out a big arena in the UK. It's a mega fight. People still talk to me about now, you know, but no one talks to me about me when I fought in Saudi. Like, I feel like no one saw it. No one, no one really bothered. And that suited me. I didn't really try and publicize it because I lost, but it was my last fight. So people will bring it up in, in that regard. And then they might ask me a question about Saudi, but no one really says, yeah, I watched it and I was looking forward to it. And I spoke about it a lot after. Time will tell. It's impossible to say how people will reflect on these fights. One thing is that the money on offer will get fights over the line. So then Fury, if he beats Alexander Usyk, for me, when he beats Alexander Usyk, it will clearly be the man of the generation. Many people think he is already. He's beaten Klitschko, he's beaten Wilder, knocked out Wilder twice. Most people pick him to beat Joshua if that fight ever happens. If he then goes and beats Alexander Usyk, the other guy of this generation, his legacy is secure. What we already saw with the Wembley fight is that it, that fell out of bed. So without Saudi, maybe that fight doesn't happen. So then, yes, the fight's in Saudi and maybe it doesn't get the shine. I feel like it will do when it happens in December. But without Saudi money, those fights might fall by the wayside. So I, I get what you're saying. And it's, it, maybe they don't quite shine like Vegas, Vegas Knights do. Maybe in time they will. But if it means that the fights happen, then that's only going to enhance legacies but it's such early days and like i say it's so vastly different to the last time we were in Riyadh that in five years it will be so different again who knows if it's still going maybe they're doing fights every month then maybe Riyadh season is back-to-back -back boxing or maybe none it's impossible to say like it's, it's, it's genuinely impossible to tell but they've put the show together they've got people talking about it and it's Tyson Fury against the debutant in, in Francis Ngannou. I'm excited to see what the night looks like. I think Fury wins easy. The undercard's good though. Should we have a little look at the undercard? It's heavyweights only, apart from Jack McGann, who is British, an MMA bloke who's who's crossed over to boxing. He's boxing Roberto Duran Jr. Um, so a little interesting one there. And then the rest of it is heavyweights. Moses Tama, like I said, is in a step up. Martin Bacoli gets Carlos Takam. That's a really good heavyweight fight. Makhmadov is out again. The one that I want to talk about, though, is Fabio Wardley, who defends his British title against David Adelaide. Bit of a grudge match. 
few months on from their tangle on the red carpet. I mean, that would be a great O2 fight. Get people talking, get people interested. But it's landed here, obviously, because of the riches on offer. How do you feel about that, George? Do you feel like it's missing something because of that? Or does it not really matter? And when we talk about legacy, has that um, affected the optics of this fight? I've got to be honest, it's a good fight. It's a fight that I'd tune in for, but I don't think it's not like, it's not a mega fight, is it? Like a, a domestic sort of fight that we've everyone's been crying for. If anything, you'd think Wardley versus Clark is, is a bigger fight. But I think it's a good solid fight to put on this card because, you know, Frank Warren, who's obviously clearly part of it, it, sh- it should be a good trade fight and they're heavyweights and there's been a bit of drama beforehand. So it's a good trade fight to have on the card. So you know, I think if imagine if it if it was in the UK, it's it's still not strong enough to headline like an O2. Adelaide sort of pretty new on the scene still has uh, you know never had no big big fights that sort of caught his attention. He's but he's a big guy who looks the part, hasn't really put a foot wrong, and this is his step up. So a good solid fight. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, Wardley we've had on the show. Uh, he is uh, the champion and the favourite. What he lacks in sort of amateur pedigree, I think he's he's excelled in as a pro. He sort of made quick leaps of of improvement, and I still have him down as a favourite for this one. I don't I don't want to. I'm not working this night, so I can get I can give a prediction. Wouldn't be supremely confident, but I make him the favourite. Woodley, I think I think he gets to him. Yeah, I wrote the preview for Boxing News, and it was one of those where there's always a caveat when you're trying to make a pick on this fight is that it could change at any moment if someone lands because they're two big lumps knockout artist really their combined record is 28 and 0 26 of them have finished inside the distance they haven't gone beyond the fifth between them for more than two years so like their punches I mean that a lot of that does point to their level of opposition they've had Wardley's had tougher opposition he beat Nathan Gorman for that British title for instance Adelaide hasn't really had the acid test yet so you kind of have to make Wardley the favourite on that basis but he does he has been hit early like Eric Molina had some early success Gorman had some early success he's tough as fuck though like he always gets through that and then takes people out it's if Adelaide is the real deal and is a ma- the puncher that his, his knockout so far suggests maybe gets to him and if he makes a dent early then he gets a foothold or whatever I don't think this fight's going distance I'd be surprised if it goes beyond sort of six seven eight rounds I think they're both they're both fast twitch knockout guys who are going to be up for it from the off I don't think anyone's going let's just get let's get past six here and then take over I, I that's how I see it it could be all a ploy you know and, and maybe someone is thinking that like this guy can't do it beyond six let's just get him there and then take over but yeah I see this as a firefight I think it suits both guys to have that mindset as well of being like this is a six round fight let's go and get it talking of it might not go that long uh, should we move to the big one then we talk about the matchup which is of course Tyson Fury the WBC heavyweight champion of the world and the lineal champion since you know, since the dawn of time, uh, he takes on, as you say, debutant Francis Ngannou. Famously is in the Guinness Book of Records being the p- hardest puncher. They, you know, they measured it. He punches with the same amount of force as a Ford Escort going as fast as a, the lightning. I mean, the thing is with those sorts of metrics is it's like, George, you were a big puncher. If they got you down the UFC Institute that day, like you would have been troubling the scorers as well. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're doing a world record attempt and you've you've set in your feet and you can put everything into it, then yeah, of course he's a big puncher. The problem he has, and it's interesting, Tyson Fury this week has said, Francis Ngannou has the same chance that Derek Chisora 
and Dylan Whitehead. And I thought that was quite funny. What, what he's trying to say is they've got a puncher's chance. If they land one on me, I can go, of course. But we know that Dylan White was outclassed and knocked out. Derek Chisora was totally outclassed and stopped. So it's like, yeah, Francis Ngannou has got the same chance as those guys, which is none. I don't even think he's got a puncher's chance in this fight personally because he hasn't he, he hasn't got the schooling. Yes, he, he you know he knocks people out with his hands in, in UFC, but it's totally different. He's going to have bigger gloves on for one. He's got to set his feet to get the power off. Tyson Fury's so elusive. He's got so much on the line now in this fight. I think that is the key thing here is that the Usyk fight has been signed. There is so much money in that Usyk fight and then the rematch. It's not like Tyson Fury's just turning up to get paid here. He's turning up. He has to do the job because he, he already knows what's what's lying in wait. And if that, you know, we know he's a man who needs motivation. Like all of you guys, you need motivation. You need something to work towards. And he's got that. So I think he could have maybe walked him around a bit, could have dragged it out a touch like Mayweather did with McGregor. Mayweather, of course, end of his career at that point. But I think Fury has got so much on the line now. I think he takes him out in in the first few rounds. The ability that Mayweather had, the boxing IQ, you know, the, the boxing brains is night and day compared to what Tyson Fury's got. You know, like I know p people really celebrate his boxing skill and boxing brain and IQ. And for a heavyweight, it, it is pretty good. But he's nowhere near as elusive as like a Floyd Mayweather, you know. So Floyd can do that. Fury's sure the same. But if he does switch off for a second, this guy does punch like fuck. He's gonna take your head off. <laughs> and as you say, there's a lot at stake. Fury will just go out and fight like he's gonna fight. If you ask me, he's gonna go out. He's gonna be cautious to start with to till he figures this guy out. And that might take a couple of rounds because he's a bit unorthodox. And then try and land and get rid of him. In Ghana, has he ever been punched in the face before? Like, has he ever been punched in the face? Would that, I mean, that'll be embarrassing if he has that reaction of guys who, YouTubers who have never been punched in the face and then they sort of flinch and turn away. But that might not be out of the question because sure, he's, he's used to being in UFC ring, but they don't necessarily, they don't stand up tall and punch each other in the face. And when they do land one, they're asleep because they don't know how to ride a shot. It's true. You're absolutely bang on the money. He would, yeah, I've, I've, he's been punched in the face before, but with the regularity and the accuracy of Tyson Fury and of a boxing match, when your hands are up and you're in that stance as opposed to on, maybe on the back foot a bit, evading kicks and looking for everything else, no, that's never happened to him. The only chance Francis Ngannou has got in this fight is mauling, getting close, trying to get something off, going body, going ahead, just trying to land something over the top. So Fury's got no choice but to take him out. Because if he was, if, if Ngannou was on his back foot and trying to box him and moving him around, sweet, Fury could do that for 30 rounds. But if you've got a bloke like that just trying to maul you and take you out and on you the whole time, he's going to go, fuck this, uppercut, left hook. He's already said he's going to try and land the jab and take him out of a backhand. And the thing is, Fury has had denigrators in the past saying he doesn't punch, but go and ask Deontay Wilder if he punches. He's a massive man. If, if he lands a double jab and, and disrupts his guard with a double jab and the right hand comes steaming through the middle, Ngannou is gone. Does Francis Ngannou beat Derek Chisora or beat Dillian White? No. Johnny Fish would knock him out. Like, Johnny Fish is a Southern Area champion. He would knock Francis Ngannou out. Of course, because... They're gonna. Um, you, would would you beat Francis Ngannou? Mate, the geezer's a truck. He would absolutely kill me. He'd rip my head off. <laughs> yeah, but you've but, had like four white qualifiers. <laughs> yeah, he would. The thing is with Ngannou, like he's still a beast, and and Fury was was pissed off the other day because somebody asked him, "Is this 
comparable to misfits like Tommy Fury against KSI and stuff. And he's like, they're YouTubers who play computer games. And Garnu is a trained fighter still. The problem is, is that he's not a boxer. And we, and, and, like, we don't need to tell people this. And we didn't have to tell people this with Mayweather McGregor. Like the proof is there that he's not a boxer and it's not just something you can turn up and do regardless of your background. But yeah, I think all of those guys, Solomon Dakers is here. It's part of Fury's camp. Solly Dakers, the, the, I think he might be the English heavyweight champion at the moment. He'd knock Ngarnu out. Like, and that's no disrespect to him, but these are, these are boxers. Do you think being a UFC fighter... You got a better chance of being a boxer than if you're an NBA basketball player. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. I would, I would say that because you're used to combat, you're used to having a bloke in front of you, you're used to switching on in that sense. But what about Big Jim Hamilton, ECM we've had on the club? Yeah, well, that, rugby's a rugby's a fight, like, and he's used to fighting. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. But do you, but do you think, like, I, I wonder whether they would be more suited to boxing than a UFC guy? I think there's a lot to be said for being comfortable with another man trying to hurt you. I do think, I think it's a 10 round fight. Like they do five minute rounds and it's, it's bit, you know, they're on the floor a bit and they're sort of standing up and stuff. It's not the same pace. It's a different sport, of course. But surely 10 threes is going to take a toll on any man, a few, a, a, apart from Fury, who was, you know, born to do it and absolutely bred and fit for purpose in that sense. But I'm not excited about this fight. There's not li a little bit, the little tingle I get in fight where I'm, like, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that fight and that's not something you can switch on or off that's just whether it comes or not F Fury is the best heavyweight in the world best heavyweight of his generation Francis Garner's never had a boxing match like it's, there's, it's as simple as that well Fury just the first banner in the works still has to prove that he's the best fighter in the, heavy, in, in, in the world and still has to prove that he's the best fighter of the division and maybe that is not a spanner in the works, but maybe that is what um, makes this even more interesting this weekend. You would fancy Usyk in that in that Fury fight for for various reasons we've been over before. Do you think that Fury, that Usyk's the best heavyweight in the world right now? I think Usyk's the best heavyweight in the world right now. But if you was going to try and do it, like just put it into AI and let AI spit out who's who's the best heavyweight because of their form and their credentials, Tyson Fury has the Klitschko win. The Wilder wins, and I know you're a big Wilder man, but you know Wilder's that one where you, it depends who you talk to. Blows hot and cold in many ways. So I mean, some people you'd be debating with someone whether he's got any boxing brain or IQ or acumen at all, and some people say, "No, he's genius. You can't throw right hands like that if you can't box." And then he's got the win against Dillian White. Other than that, there's no real standouts. But then the same said with with Usyk. He's moved up to heavyweight. He's got two wins over Joshua. Other than that... I think for me, you've outlined exactly there why Fury right now has to be considered that. Whether you think he wins the fight or not, he's proven himself in this division over the years. He's had weird ups and downs. Obviously, he had a long time away from the sport and then he had a couple of really easy fights. But the Klitschko win, the Wilder second fight in particular where he absolutely cleaned him out. The third fight was a classic for the ages. I think he's proven that he's the number one. But I think he needs an Usyk win to totally, like to silence, and that you're not the only one who thinks that. Especially if he doesn't fight Joshua, like I think most people nowadays would pick Fury to beat Joshua on their best days. But people are more interested in seeing what he does with Usyk, smaller guy who's beat Joshua twice. That has to be the fight that that solidifies his legacy. And it looks like the Saudis are the ones that have that have managed to get it over the line with their riches. So we're going to get that chance.
what's happening after the fight? Is there big plans for an after party celebration? That's another great question because normally it would be Hakkasan and Fury would be there with his top off with Steve Ioki or someone and everyone's going mental. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. What I do know, what I've been told is that it's very likely that they'll get Usyk in the ring and they'll announce it in the ring after and they'll kind of use this as the platform to start building that fight, which makes a lot of sense to me. After party, I mean, it's going to be, I don't know what the drug testing is after. It's a board sanctioned show, but I don't know if they're going to do tests or whatever. But say he has to do his doping, he has to hang around with his mates for a bit. He come and does do the press. We're pro we're not expecting to get out of that arena but until 3 a.m. Um, probably go to Cheesecake Factory and have a bowl of pasta or something. But I think that brings us to the end of our sal about that episode, don't you, George? And if you tolerated us through this sort of preview of the baddest... What are they calling it, Deck? The baddest... Ba battle of the baddest. Battle of the baddest. So if you uh, if you did enjoy this, then I would uh, recommend that you hit the follow button in your podcast app and then switch on the notifications so you don't miss anything because this has been a, a throuple week. We've had a three-pod week bonus content. And I suppose we'd better see each other Monday as well, Deck, for a bit of a review of the, the baddest of the baddies if i need to reach you and like i'm worried about reaching checking in on you is there a, is there a means that i could get to you like if whatsapp was out you know uh, social's easy social always the same as well gg boxing club and that's instagram twitter tiktok facebook strava in honor of this trip might stick derude by sandstorm on our playlist the ring walk which is on spotify which you can uh which you can find if you just search it or go on our link tree on the twitter and the other socials and the playlist on there along with the merch what else what else george also there's a little shout out for amazon music because they play all our episodes ad free so if you fancy this advertisement free get on amazon music that's it mate i'll see you monday don't get lost don't get don't get in trouble i'll see you monday see you monday Thank you.